I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor to Deseret News. Great to be with you. And, of course, there's a lot of political chatter going on. Uh, We started it last night with the Democrats launching their national convention, virtually, of course. Uh, They've got three more days. Tonight, they'll focus on leadership is the uh, topic of the night, the theme for the evening, Leadership Matters. And uh, they'll have some uh, big names in there. Former President Bill Clinton uh, will uh, address the virtual crowd, uh, as will Jill Biden. Uh, She will uh, obviously talk about her husband's preparation and his leadership, uh, which is uh, also very important. Um, And there's a host of others who will be on uh, over the coming nights as they move this forward. Of course, the Republicans will pick up next week. Uh, They'll start on Monday and they'll do the same drill. They'll go four nights in a row, lay out their case. And uh, as we've talked about, a lot of people are not paying attention to this uh, in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of August. Uh, A lot of people are uh, focused on other things. And without that big spectacle of uh, being in the big hall with uh, 10,000 plus people, it's uh, just a little different feel. And uh, many of the speeches uh, are a little flat. Uh, And I think the speechwriters way overwrote them all, uh, at least from last night. Uh, I thought they handcuffed Bernie Sanders in a way that was not helpful if they really wanted to get the Bernie Sanders supporters on board, they needed Bernie Sanders to be Bernie Sanders uh, and and really rally them and give them some motivation to say, hey, we can get on board and, and move forward on this ticket. Uh, I thought Governor Cuomo was a complete swing and a miss. Uh, he could have led on so many things, but was very flat, uh, had a lot of very mixed messages and even mixed metaphors at one point uh, that I, I just couldn't really follow. And, uh, of course, the highlight of the night, uh, strongest speech of the night, was clearly Michelle Obama, former first lady. And uh, she went back to some of the themes she used uh, over the years. Uh, if they go low, we go high. Uh, it's time to unite and, and move forward. And, and so here's the here's the big test for me looking at this uh, over the next few days and again into next week with the Republicans. Both sides are going to lay claim to two phrases. Uh, the first is going to be that this is the most important election in our lifetime. Both sides are making that case. This is this is it. This is the most important election. Uh, I disagree. The second the second phrase they're both going to lay claim to, and the uh, the Democrats are going to really hit this hard. I think on nights three and four, with the speech from Kamala Harris and also from Joe Biden. They are going to talk about this campaign being a battle for the heart and soul of America. And 
So you can look at that and you can say, okay, well, what, what is this really all about? And what this is really all about, and the Republicans will counter and do the same thing next week. Uh, they're also going to say this is the most important election, and they're going to say this is the battle for the heart and soul of the country. And here's the the word that we all need to recognize and understand is that neither of those statements are true, especially the second. Because when you talk about a battle for the heart and soul of America and doing that from a political platform, again, whether it's the Democrats tonight or the Republicans next week, if you're making the case for the heart and soul of the country on a political stage, you are missing the point. And this is why. The heart and soul of America is not to be found in Washington, D.C. It is not to be found in the White House or the West Wing. The heart and soul of this country is not found in our monuments. It is not found in members of Congress. It is not found in marbled halls. It's not saved in some secure vault at Fort Knox or anywhere else. The heart and soul of America, if we're going to fight for that, is only found in the heart and soul of the American people. Not Washington, D.C., not those institutions. Those institutions are important to be sure. But this is a, this is a we the people issue. And I do uh, applaud the Democrats last night. They began in the right spot. They began focused on we the people. And that's where we need to have our focus. Because if we're focused on, hey, you know, someone's going to waltz in from Washington and solve all our problems. Someone from Washington's going to fix health care or education or immigration. All of those things, it's not going to happen from Washington. The heart and soul of America is in the hearts and souls of the American people. And as we were talking about with Representative Stewart just a little earlier, we, we've become so tribal uh, and and people understand that. People with a lot of power and a lot of money and a lot of influence recognize that if tribalism reigns, then the status quo prevails. And those with the most power and the most influence will continue to have the most power and the most influence. Why? Because they will convince us that we are too tribal, that we are too divided as a nation to solve any problem. We're just too divided to solve immigration. We're just too divided to solve the health care problem. We're just too divided to deal with racial inequality or the justice system or law enforcement or whatever it may be. The list goes on and on and on and on. And the reality is we're not. We think we are. And many try to convince us that we are. And to the degree that both of these conventions promote that feeling of this is a battle because my party owns the heart and soul of America. We're going to defend and protect that. As opposed to let's go find out what is the heart and soul of America, which is the heart and soul of Americans. We have to get there because if we don't get there, everything else is just window dressing. It doesn't matter. Is part of the reason why having these conventions uh, online and virtual has exposed so much of what is wrong with them. 
it's really hard for the Democrats to yell and scream about uh, President Trump's tweets or his attitude or his bullying or whatever uh, when all they got to do is uh, sit in a little room and go straight to camera off a teleprompter. The Republicans are going to have the same problem trying to make fun of Joe Biden's gaffes or his age or whatever. Uh, It's going to be really hard and it's going to fall really flat next week if that's where they go. So is it the most important election in our lifetime? It is the most important election of 2020. I'm going to I'm going to concede to that. Is it a battle for the heart and soul of America? Well, only to the degree that we all, all of us, focus on the real heart and soul. If there's a battle for the heart and soul of America, it is only to be found in the hearts and souls of the American people. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure that you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that makes a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.